Marketing today is way different than it used to be. Consumers are smarter and better informed, and the same old push marketing is just not going to cut it. Today we have to be present in the conversation with our market, curious about what they want, and generous with the information we share with the world. This is the Mindful Social Podcast, and I'm your host, Janet Fouts. Even though we're talking about digital marketing, old school's always got a place, right? And uh, well, I'd like you to introduce yourself a little bit, Roxanne, and, and tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I'm delighted to be here. And if I may interrupt first, I just want to thank you, Janet, for inviting me on here. Um, I so admire how prolific and focused you are in across so many different um, genres. And that's why I guess I feel like a soul sister with you because to, going into my bio, same thing. I've had uh, numerous careers. That's the benefit of being an older person. And um, so uh, let's see a little bit about me. I'm co-owner of a company, Barefeet Studios, with my partner, Shane Robinson. Um, he started it uh, about uh, 15 years ago, maybe almost 20 years ago, a digital software company, internet-based. And I, at the time, was a health coach for Johnson & Johnson and got offered a job as a marketing advisor. And I said, I'm not a marketing person. Um, but the person who hired me said, you've had your own business for 20 years. I've watched you in action. You know marketing better than a lot of academic marketers. And so off I went, um, leaving the health field into marketing, internet, etc. I love the internet. I think it's the most spiritual place um, on the planet. Um, this desire that we all have to be connected, not all of us, but this desire to be connected, the internet facilitates that in such um, automagic ways. Uh, and I just love it. So, uh, so that just has, you know, the internet's basically sucked me in for the last almost 20 <laughs> years. Um, so I've done a lot of uh, web development, web software, marketing campaigns, um, love social media, you know, have been blogging since Apple's One World hmm. um, thingamajiggy way back in the 90s. Um, and underneath all of that um, has been this lifelong love of consciousness. So I would say that's really my true love in life. And I've kind of kept it in the closet and worked privately by myself for myself and just love that that's a topic that is so um, juicy right now. Mm. So I have, I have a call. My I went to Berkeley for college, graduated in the uh, 74. So um, was fortunate to be there at a time of great change, disruption, and still got that in my blood. Mm. And now we seem to be going through kind of a backwards disruption, I think. We're seeing a lot of people that are going very old school. They're using actual paper to write on. <laughs> but we're also seeing people that are saying, I'm not going to carry my smartphone with me during the day. We're seeing kind of a, a technology rejection and a movement towards being more one-on-one -on -one social and more aware. And I think that's what's really brought this mindfulness and business kind of full circle around. You know, I mean, you can go back to John Kabat-Zinn who really started working on this whole MBSR 
uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction for executives. But you know, now you're seeing companies like Google and Aetna and lots of smaller companies as well that are teaching mindfulness to their employees to help them kind of deal with the stresses of day-to-day work life. Mm-hmm. And my interest is really about how, yes, we can do that in our, in our work life, but then how do we carry that over into marketing and how does that apply? So what do you think about that? What's your take? Well, I think that, um, you know, I agree with what you've said. You know, the Internet's kind of like chocolate. It's this really wonderful thing, but, you know, it takes a while to figure out, you know, when you're overdosing on it. And, um, you know, Ariana Huffington has been great. She was one of the first really high-profile people to come out and say, yeah, I don't take my phone to the bed anymore. Um, and I think that it's it's not so much – it's a lot of those individual practices. For me, um, it's very easy, especially with mindfulness, as well as with social media. It's one thing I think they have in common to look at it from a side, you know, as an aside and see what makes sense. But it's really very different to apply it in one's own life, to apply it in one's own business. Because at its core, mindfulness believes that we're all uh you know, spiritual beings having a human experience, not the other way around. And that changes everything, you know, literally. And I hardly ever use the words all or nothing, you know, everything, never. Um, But it, it means for me, for example, you know, one of the things that I put in my blog post is it means being willing to abandon fear based marketing. Mm. And that really, I think, is huge. Um, all of the product, I think all, maybe not all, all of the ones I have seen of the product launch formulas that are so big right now in the information product space are about fear-based marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, find their point of pain, find their point of fear, lure them in with something that they can't. And it is, it's that being snookered in in the back brain um, sales methodology And so if we're going to really, you know, that for me is in conflict if you meditate for 30 minutes in the morning and then you go out and say, how can I trap people in their fears for my product? (laughs) Exactly. You're allowed to do that. I'm not judging it, mind you. It's just for me. (laughs) Help yourself. For me, that's not not where I want to be. I really want to be in... Uh, customer relationships with people who are, you know, wanting to act based on conscious desires, not on unconscious fears. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a wonderful show with Ted Rubin last night, and I think he really epitomizes this because if you, if you talk to Ted anywhere on social media, he always responds and he responds very mindfully and very thoughtfully. And then if you meet him in person, He's amazing. He's such an open and generous and and very wonderful person. And it's really all about walking the talk. And I think that's the thing that, you know, really is interesting to me is that, yeah, we're saying we're being all mindful in the office and, you know, we're being conscious and we're practicing meta and reaching out to the world. But then when we market, bam, there's a switch. Mm-hmm. And we have to figure out ways that we can incorporate that. And in social media, 
marketing. I think it's easier because we're kind of led to think that we're here for relationships. We're not here just to to make you scared and, and snooker your back brain. <laughs> yes, um, I, I agree in general. Um, and we have established these buzzwords of authenticity and truthfulness and, um, you know, being allowed to show up with your flaws. Uh, and in fact, sometimes those posts are the ones that get the most traction because people can relate to the real person. Um, and at the same time, you know, social is putting this incredible pressure. I was doing a little bit of automatic writing just to prep for this uh, interview conversation. And, you know, one of the things that hit me is this pressure that people feel to share. People like myself, <laughs> I have felt this pressure. I'm a natural sharer. Not everyone is. And so right away, there's two different uh, ways of approaching marketing. Are you a natural sharer? Are you not? And where on that spectrum are you? Because that's going to give you a choice of a thousand different options, you know, for how to develop your marketing campaign. And um, for me, what I'm learning is that uh, my monkey mind, my fear-based back brain is pushing me a lot. You've got to be sharing. You know, you're not on Snapchat enough. You're not on this. You're not on that. You're not on this. You know, you've got to be out there all the time every day. And I keep, you know, my, my latest point of awareness is actually, no, I don't. Mm. Um, there's a lot of noise out there. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but what I'm trying to get to is to really, you know, be more and more and more finely tuned into sharing because it makes sense for me in this moment mm -hmm. and not feeling the pressure to have to share all the time. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's a challenge because as a consultant, I have to know all of these networks and I do know them. But when it comes down to helping a brand understand, you know, which of these channels do I really need to focus on and which one is going to carry my true voice and which is going to be the one where I'm going to find the people that I really want to connect with instead of trying to broadcast, throw, throw a wide net and hope that I catch somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that old concept of don't boil the ocean. You want to figure out who is on what networks and are they talking about the things that really matter to them that appeal to the things that I have to offer. And then using that generosity forward mentality as well, mm -hmm. which marketers are beginning to pick up. You know, you look at some of the ones like Zappos, for example, um, you know, the marketers who really practice what they preach, but they also are a genuine voice through their social outlets. Mm -hmm. um, even if it's, you know, advocacy, for mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. Right, right. People are being more willing to expand this. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of it boils down to often for me is this notion of humanity. And, you know, for so long, um, you know, there were sort of like two things I think that that developed for, for each person from the individual, you know, point of view. Um, as we built businesses over the many previous centuries. It's, you know, you have to not be who you are, but you have to produce what you think the market wants. And, and 
you also can't show who you really are because, you know, there's this feeling that so many people have just that core human experience that we're flawed, that has just come as part of this territory that we're really breaking up right now. And Mm -hmm. that then leads to, you know, well, then my business, what do I do with my business? Well, my business has to put lipstick on the pig and make this thing that we think other people want and we hide the flaws of that because our business becomes our survival. You know, if I can't sell my products, I can't make money. And then the way the, the back brain thinks about that is, well, then I'll die. And <laughs> yeah. so literally we don't think that when we're sitting in a meeting, mm-hmm. but that is the energy that is under the table in a meeting when a company is planning strategy, when a company is looking at their, their quarterly numbers, when a company is, you know, deciding to expand or contract. Um, and, and without naming that energy and without, you know, allowing practices to really out that energy and say, well, wait a minute, is that really true? Am I flawed? Well, no. Do I have neuroses? Yes. Does everyone? Yes. Yes. Can I put my neuroses on the table so that you, my business partner, knows I'm really weak in this area? Can you cover for me in that? Um, and then vice versa. To me, that's a very specific, practical way to bring mindfulness into a business relationship. You know, mm-hmm. not hiding your fears or your flaws, but letting them be a part of of the relationship so that, you know, rising tide floats all boats. Right. And isn't it a lot harder to hide those flaws now when everything is transparent, whether we want it to be transparent or not, it's really pretty transparent that your customers and your competitors will come out with things that may put you in a negative light or may, may point out your flaws. And so we have to deal with those things you know, right out in public. And sometimes that's really a challenge, but sweeping them under the rug is no longer an option. So we have to think of a way to do that intelligently and and with some heart. Right. Well, and I think that starts with us. You know, Gandhi said, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things I know we both were at the Wisdom 2.0 conference and it was so great having... um, the CEO of LinkedIn, you know, in his keynote, because he really role modeled that being totally relaxed with who he is mm-hmm. um, and the feedback that he's getting from his employees uh, was quite remarkable. You know, telling of that, I don't remember all the details. People can watch the videos of his interview, but I'll link to um, the videos. And, uh... it, 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 it really, and I think this is the most, you know, if there were any takeaway, I would say start within That's where each person's power is. And it really won't, I mean, for a person like me who is so in love with consciousness, the universe really smacks me down all the time when I try to apply it out there and I'm not applying it in here. Um, And, you know, that's the good news, not the bad news, though sometimes it creates a bit of pain. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 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 okay. Um, but, and, and so that's, that's the big thing, you know, and that's, what's so easy, you know, so part of the ground rules I have is, is no complaining, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's another really specific thing to go into a meeting and have an agreement. We're not going to complain. 
everything that we think is wrong that should be changed, that we failed at, that whatever, we're going to reframe how we talk about that because our language, language is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's the it's the one thing that we literally have on the tip of our tongues and at the tip of our fingers all day, every day. And the more we can just breathe, slow down a little bit, rewrite that email, restate how we're looking at the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one way that I practice that a lot is is people, especially of my age, complain so much, you know, the kids are always on their phone. The kids are always texting. It's terrible. They're not going to know blah, 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 blah. Um, even, even on the topic of etiquette, which is something that I'm really a fan of, um, they don't know how to be polite. They don't learn respect, this and that and the other. You know, you can say all of that, but all that does is suck the energy. Mm-hmm. And instead, reframe it of, well, wonder what, you know, with this open-ended question, wonder what the universe has in store for us. You know, I wonder how they're going to learn to balance these things because they're growing up with this stuff from a very early age that we've had to kind of overlay onto who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, Me, I'm in my sixties. And so looking at things as an opportunity, looking at it from curiosity instead of criticism um, those are very practical, mindful ways. L- drafting an email. Um, I need that thing. Blah, 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 blah. I don't need it. It is not my survival is not dependent on your sales report. <laughs> mm. I would like it by <laughs> such and such a time. So I right can now. include your numbers in my <laughs> thing that is going out at such and such a time. Mm-hmm. And then it's like those little things incrementally, they add up. You know, the more and more we can use language in that really supportive, open-ended way, it literally mechanically opens up the energy so there's a flow between the people who are communicating. When we use this hard language, um, you know, I need this from you. Mm -hmm. And and if that receiver has already got five I need from you emails, the tendency is to just want to shut down. Um, you know, for many, many people or to just fight so hard that they burn out and then they're of no use to anyone. Um, So using language, practicing, you know, rather than preaching, it's uh, it's like that just came to me. Um, I I can be very preachy and really trying to leave that behind and just live it instead of talking about it. Mm hmm. Um, so maybe, you know, practice instead of preaching is the new version of practice what you preach. You know? <laughs> yeah. None of us need to be preached at. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. just put that one to rest. Well, I think that's a really, the language is so important. And the language that we use in messaging when we're creating marketing documents, for example, you know, we tend to use imperative, 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 imperative just because we want them to know how badly they need it, where that can often bounce. Um, You know, as marketers ourselves, we see that all the time. And we we read things, not to read the message of what they're trying to sell us as much as to how they're selling it and how that works, because it's kind of a game. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I've been a salesperson, I guess, most of my life too. And when I go into... uh, we'll say a car lot because that's the usual 
<laughs> example. example. Yeah. But you know, you go into a car lot, if someone comes to me and says, Hey, how are you today? Instead of what do you want? Or how can what car can I sell you now? Mm -hmm. It's a completely different method. Mm -hmm. And it works on me. And I, I, I like a good salesperson. And I will probably buy from them simply because they're a good salesperson. I think the same is true in marketing. When you have a warmer approach and you're not trying to shove something down my throat, I'm at least going to take the moment to listen to your message, whereas I might not if I feel like you're trying to force me to buy something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And, and, and what you described, the way that I heard it, is it's about the process. Mm -hmm. You know, and the nice thing about being focused on process instead of product is that it is adjustable in every single present moment of time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I think that's another skill for marketers. If, if we, and this is what I have learned from mindfulness, you know, be here now, Ram Dass, you know, coined the three most powerful um, collection of words, be here now, that's really all there is. We can argue about what happened yesterday and we can pretend to know what will happen tomorrow and we'll be right some of the time and we'll be wrong some of the time. Mm -hmm. What we have is right now. And if we're willing as marketers to you know, have a plan, have some ideas, get it ready to roll it out, and then really be present in the moment, and that only comes when we've practiced that skill of being in the present and trusting being in the present. And that's again, where the meditation and the mindfulness practices really have a direct impact mm -hmm. to a person who isn't practicing um, and hasn't experienced the safety and the calm and the inspiration that shows up in these quiet moments more times than not, I think has a, a more difficult time noticing the subtler signals mm -hmm. of what's taking place in the marketing relationship as it's developing. So good news, if you are sitting in the present, looking in the present, not worrying about the future, not thinking about the past and letting that fear drive you, it just opens up all kinds of things for, for that process of being in relationship with customers. Well, it's interesting. I get asked a lot, you know, do I have to meditate to be mindful? And my answer is no, you don't. It's not something that you have to do, but what it does is make it 10, 20, 100 times more powerful to you and a lot easier to find that space. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can take mindful moments for example uh, one of the apps that i like is budify and budify has a um a, a short little video clip and they say you know if you're sitting at your desk just blink and in that few seconds that it takes stop and think and then go on with your day and what that does is just bring you to the present moment for just that one second and if you do that throughout the day, you find those things that you realize that you're actually, wow, I'm, I'm in the present. I'm not thinking about the past. I'm not thinking about the future. I'm not freaking out about anything. Mm -hmm. I'm actually just here that it helps you root. It helps you focus. It helps you center. And that's where you could start.
eventually, you know, we'll pour you the virtual Kool-Aid and you'll start meditating because it really is something that, that opens a lot of doors for you and helps you stay centered. Um, but I, I don't want everybody to think that in order to practice mindfulness, you have to meditate because it scares the hell out of a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I don't think anybody has to do anything. Um, a story that I've told a few times, maybe this will be the last time I tell it, but I was at a um, 100-hour yoga cert- teacher certification course back in the 90s. And, you know, we were all loving it. and We were completely immersed in the experience. And at lunch, you know, people started talking and, you know, the chatter was, oh, if only everyone in the world did yoga, imagine how the world would be. And, you know, I, I did my sort of buzzkill rocks and I just said, I don't really think everyone in the world needs to do yoga because that is the beauty of humanity is this incredible diversity Mm -hmm. and everyone is different for some people high intensity exercise really throws them off you know and and i learned that you know years before when i used to be an aerobic instructor and i thought everyone should do aerobics to live happily ever after but i learned no not everyone should some people do much better with quiet quietude some people do much better with high intensity exercise and everything in between so um I think the only thing for mindfulness really is this word pause. Just being willing to pause however you want to do that, whenever you want to do it, as often as you want to do it. Just try the pause. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, adding a little breathing in there is, you know, like the power formula for pause. Um, Because the nature of our being will take care of the rest of it. And then going into meditation or then going into this or going into that, you know, those are those become options for people to explore or or prayer or, you know, contemplative anything, walking, Mm -hmm. typing. Um, Yeah. And everybody has their own mix. You know, if you're a cyclist, you're very often very focused on what you're doing at that time, but you're also enjoying the world around you Mm -hmm. and, you know, thinking about the bigger picture, but it, it all depends. We all have different ways of finding a way to focus and take that pause and, you know, take a mindful moment just to be there. And the more you can build those in, the better. Mm -hmm. To me, the way that appeals to, you know, like you were saying earlier with the email, with marketing messages, for example, just thinking before you respond, just stop. Mm -hmm. Because it's very easy to do knee-jerk responses through social media. You know, you can see a tweet and respond to it in a second and realize that you've misinterpreted what the people on the other end thought or Mm -hmm. that you have responded in a way that maybe wasn't appropriate or maybe didn't answer the question that was really being asked. asked. Mm-hmm. You know, because we can't always know what those questions are without giving it a little thought or maybe even asking for clarification. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that you can do in that way that increase your communication level and decrease your canned responses. I'm, I'm a big advocate of losing the canned responses. Right. I agree. You know, we, we can't stand them when we get them. So, right. 
but but it is that it is i think it's worth you know pausing here and just acknowledging that we've had centuries and centuries and centuries of neurological mechanical programming of our mind body complex to respond you know to fear in certain ways based on survival instincts Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's why a lot of the work that I do is about helping people um, separate literally their back brain from their forebrain or what I like to call the adult consciousness and the kid consciousness or what some people call instinct, you know, which is the old versus consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different ways to think about those two um, aspects of our being. And when we have that fear response Often, and, and we let it, we let the kid or the monkey mind, as the Buddhists call it, or instinct do the responding. We're just basically opening the carton of milk and pouring it on the floor. Mm. <laughs> you know, that is a mess in the making. Um, and being, for me, I really like frameworks. That's part of coming from a software background and uh, the way my brain works as a bit of a systems analyst. I like these frameworks where I can say, oh, Kid me really wants to tear into that person because they are wrong, wrong, wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But adult me can come in and say, well, what's that really going to get you? And as you said, what's that person really trying to ask? And that's where that curiosity, being curious rather than critical comes in. Well, if my survival isn't on the line, I wonder what's going on with them. Mm -hmm. You know, how can I be of help? Uh, Do I need to ignore that and let them have their thing? and then come back later. You know, there, we always have so many more options in the moment than, than the back brain thinks. And again, the back brain is small, it's tiny, it's instinctual. It hasn't had all of these um, consciousness software upgrades that our adult selves have had, um, and that many of which are acquired through sitting quietly and through pausing. It's like, oh, that's when, that is when these aha moments show up. They mm-hmm. also show up, you know, riding, you know, at your maximum speed on your bike. It doesn't have to be physical and mental and emotional pause. It really, and this is something else that's just coming to me right now. It's just, it's just kind of like pausing one of our systems is enough to create space for that aha to come in. Yeah, I like that a lot, creating the space for for the aha to come in and, and actually being able to respond. And we are we are prey animals. We respond to flight or fight. And which are we gonna do right now? And if but if we could just stop for a second and realize that we aren't being treated as prey at this particular moment in time. And you know, really give it some thought because the responses can be so knee-jerk and so um it, it, the negative response that you make right now in that second before you stop to think mm-hmm. reflects on you for a very long time. Mm-hmm. It's taken out of context at some point later through social. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that even though we think of social media as this immediate um, environment, no one is going to die if you don't respond to a tweet in a few seconds or in a few minutes or even in a few hours. If you have to go collect data, if you have to talk to somebody, if you have to just take a breath before you respond, then you can do that mm-hmm. and be much more thoughtful and much more positive and, you know, 
interact with that person in a way that is really going to make a difference for them too, because people really respond when you respond generously and, and kindly to someone online. Mm -hmm. But if you step off that response, that's going to be um, maybe a little less better received. Right, right. So my kid mind, my monkey mind was listening to you. And she jumped in and she said, well, no, there are times when you have to respond to a tweet and someone could die. Didn't you hear that story of that person that was in that prison? And they, blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, I say to her, yeah, that's a good example. Um, what, but what Janet is saying is that most of the time, and again, it takes consciousness to be able to discern, is this critical? Is this not critical? So that's another aspect of, you know, building the skills that I think um, are required to make us really rock star marketers in this day and age. And one of those skills is discernment. And if you let the back brain do the discerning, you know, that's the metaphorical pouring the milk on the floor. Um, You know, you're making the mess for yourself versus what you're saying by all means, most of the time, 99.9% of the time, it isn't a life-threatening situation. I think that's something that we can all take from this too, is that using words like always and never, and, you know, those kind of things that really define everything as an absolute really aren't true. No, most no. of the time that, that really um, the way I think of it, um, I actually wrote an ebook on this. So maybe I'll put a little plug in there because I'm so bad at that for myself. Um, I wrote an ebook called the three U's, which is about soul you, which is this divine inspiration that is available 24 seven adult you, which is your functional human consciousness and kid you, which is basically the back brain, the, the little version of us. And, the alls and the nevers and the nothings and the musts and the have tos and the gotchas and the black and white, that is the realm of the kid um, aspect that each of us has. And so it's one of the easiest ways, I think, to identify, oh, that's kid me talking. Um, and then be able to engage, well, does the kid have anything reasonable to say or not? You know, most of the time it's like, oh, you're worried about that? I got this handled, sweetheart. <laughs> I know that seems really hard for you. You're a little back brain kid monkey mind. But for me, this all-powerful adult consciousness who is holding the hand of my soul, we got this covered. Um and it's and it's it's another one of the reasons. Thank you for making that point. It's one of the the things I love about language because wow, there's you know like ten words or so that are instant wake ups. Oh, oh, let me slow, let me have my pause here. Um, and I think there are words too that are instant lock ups, and one of them, some of them obviously are always never must. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. Right. Those kind of things just. They put up a wall right away and, and figuring out how we can use those words less, which I'm not very good at yet. We're uh, all practicing. This is all so new, you know? That's why and we call it practice. Exactly. 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 So, Roxanne, if you yeah. were going to give advice to someone who is in marketing and really wants to expand a little bit and, and practice mindfulness in some small way, what would you recommend that they do? 
Well, I would, I'm, I'm thinking that for this audience of people who are watching this, you know, they're probably more techie than not. Um, I would say to get an app um, because you've got your phone with you all the time anyway. And so why not start using technology to support these um, habits you want to build rather than letting it suck you down that rat hole of, you know, worrying about everyone else in the world is doing. Um, I wrote a blog post on it. Um, you mentioned Budify. Um, I really, I've been a, a user of Insight Timer for the last uh, seven or eight months. I discovered it um, last summer. I love that. It's kind of an old fashioned app in a lot of ways. Um, it's most, there are guided meditations and things in there, but mostly I just use it to have the gong sounds for <laughs> starting and ending my um, silent meditations. Um, and so that's an awesome app, uh, Insight Timer, at Insight Timer. Actually, I found that one through you because you tweet every time you use it. <laughs> yeah, so it has this, uh, it's a San Francisco developer that it's recently um, been bought by uh, two other guys um, who live in Bali. <laughs> um, nice. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so it's kind of infused, even though the interface is kind of um, old school, uh, PC-ish looking, there's nothing glamorous about the interface of the app, but it just works, you know, it's just, it does what I want it to do, and it does have some social features built in that I can automate, and I like that. I One of the reasons I like that app is I like meditating with other people. Hmm but I don't want to have to go anywhere. So I get to meditate with other people virtually. And there is definitely an amplification of the vibe when you are going into a quiet space with more than one person, more than one soul. Um, and so, yeah, I have mine on, it sets to, you know, I'm starting a X minute meditation, come and join me. Um, another one is calm, calm.com mm -hmm. or at calm. It's a beautiful web-based interface and also an iPhone app that does many of these similar things. A lot of times when I'm going to be doing my um, automatic writing, which is a type of channeling, really, um, I will put full screen on my big monitor, uh, calm.com, set the timer, and it has music and um, the animated GIFs uh, screen that's beautiful. And I find it's a wonderful backdrop for mm -hmm. Uh, creating a physical space for me. Um, my partner Shane uses Headspace, mm -hmm. uh, which is also a very popular app. Uh, Tim Ferriss, I think, uh, was really instrumental in helping to get that out to the tech community. Um, it can also be used just as a timer, but it's much, I, I think, weighted in the opposite fashion of Insight Timer in that it's really designed to teach you um, how to meditate. And so you can just relax and stop researching and just show up mm -hmm. and let Headspace show you the way. And it's, it's good to mention with Headspace in particular that they have a 10-day free program that actually kind of teaches you the basics mm -hmm. of meditation. And you can go into it deeper and you can do a lot of different things with it, but it gives you an opportunity to kind of get the feel of what this all is. And you don't have to do it for an hour. You can do small segments at a time of 10 minutes and really get an idea of mm -hmm. what it's like. And I like with all of these apps that in the guided meditations anyway, it's very, um, they, all, they all kind of say, 
if you're not if you've got a monkey brain if your brain's jumping around don't worry about it just right. bring it back and i think that's the biggest thing that i hear from people is oh i can never meditate because my mind is always going right so is that is else's. that is a kid's <laughs> version of meditation mm. a kid thinks meditation oh silent mind no thoughts bliss because that's really all the kid can process mm. you know but anyone that's ever meditated you realize the you know when you get those moments yeah that is bliss <laughs> uh and it's an incentive to keep coming back but the benefits are and that's where john kabat-zinn has been so useful he's a medical doctor and he's mm -hmm. done i mean the latest study report that he released a couple of months ago is so phenomenal on the physiological benefits there's this cascade of all of these other things that are these gifts that show up unpredictable unexpected gifts mm -hmm. and it is a very meta experience because as you stop your judgments of yourself the easier it is for the mind to relax and it's a it's a very self reinforcing kind of experience um which I love, you know, and, and to me, that is the, the metaphor for life. You know, when I stop judging myself, things get easier. If I'm finding that I'm having a hard day, let me turn that reverse engineer that, okay, where am I being hard on myself? Um, and that's where my kid shows up. I mean, I just know, I recently read a book, Mindset, um, Carol Dwyer, uh, Stanford psychologist, and even though I'm like this huge Pollyanna optimist, most people like enough with it, Roxanne. <laughs> My kid is not that way. She is on me 24 seven. And I noticed after the, just the first day of reading the book, I only read the introduction before I fell asleep. I noticed when I woke up the next morning, my self-talk, I'm tired. You didn't get enough sleep. You stayed up too late. You should have gone to bed earlier. You're <laughs> going to have a terrible day because you didn't get enough sleep. And it's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> My, I haven't even gotten out of bed yet. <laughs> Why, you and you've got it all figured out. And I, right then I just said, wait a minute. I can change this right now. You know, and it's just now that hearing myself say that, it's like, well, that's dumb, of course. But how many times, how many moments... We have the chance, moment after moment after moment after moment, all day long, to have that conversation with ourselves. Mm -hmm. That, pause. that is a muscle building. Yeah, that's where the yeah. pause comes in. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm going to tell, I don't want to feel like crap all day. That's your opinion. I'm jumping out of bed right now. I can't wait to get in the pool. That's going to vibe me up. And, you know, I, I'm in charge of my day. And what, what a shift in the energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would like to leave everyone with that thought that if they could just think through when, after you've listened to this, just stop and listen to your own self for a minute and see who's really talking to you. And is that really your best friend? And is that somebody that you want to go through the rest of the day with, or are you going to change things? Yeah. Put, put that kid in a timeout or send them to the <laughs> beach and let them play. <laughs> Paint a little corner on your desk. Yeah. 
Well, Roxanne, this has been really fun. And I, I'd love for you to tell people how they can find you and learn more about you. Great. Uh, well, I'm on Twitter at Roxanne Darling and most other places at Roxanne Darling. Uh, my company website is barefeetstudios.com. My personal blog, which is where I used to hide all my woo-woo stuff, uh, which is where you can also find my ebook, The Three U's, is inthetransition.com. And that's uh, directly speaking to the transition in consciousness that's uh, taking place in my life. Wonderful. Thank thank you you so so much. much. It was delightful to be here. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah. Well, it's been really fun. Thank you, everybody. And uh, stay tuned. We'll put this up on the podcast. You can also find it on Google+. Plus. You can find it on YouTube. And you can also find it on uh, Spreaker, which is where I host my podcast. Oh, and SoundCloud. We're everywhere. (laughs) Stay tuned. Thank Thank you. Aloha. Thanks for listening to Mindful Social. Tweet me your feedback or questions on Twitter, at jfouts. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spreaker, iTunes, or SoundCloud.